Good morning, River City. So good to see everybody here, Family Sunday. Um, if you haven't enjoyed breakfast with us, there's some donuts still out there and some coffee. Um, welcome to our first time or our repeat guest. You are so loved here. Um, my name is Antramika Knight, and I have the pleasure of welcoming you this Sunday morning. Um, here at River City, we read from the lectionary each Sunday. It's a way for us to connect with the global church. Um, there are churches all across the world who incorporate the lectionary, not just on Sundays, but also during the week um, because there's readings each day. And if you want to know more about the lectionary, how you can study it, how you can incorporate that as you make space or practice spiritual formation, you can talk to myself or any other staff. Um, today's Psalm is Psalm 79. Um, and it says, Oh God, the nations have come into your inheritance. They have defied your holy temple. They have laid Jerusalem in ruins. They have given the bodies of your servants to the birds of the heavens for food, the flesh of your faithful to the beast of the earth. They have poured out their blood like water all around Jerusalem, and there, has, and there was no one to bury them. We have become a taught to our neighbors, mocked and deride by those around us. How long, O oh Lord, will you be angry forever? Will your jealousy burn like fire? Pour out your anger on the nations that they do not know you and on the kingdoms that do not call your name, for they have devoured Jacob and laid to west his habitation. Do not remember against us our former inequities. Let your compassion come speedily to meet us for we are brought very low. Help us, O God, of our salvation. For the glory of your name, deliver us and atone for our sins for your name's sake. If we bow our heads in prayer. God, thank you that you are always available. Thank you that you rescue us. Thank you that you see our plights. Thank you that you see our distress. Thank you that we are never hidden from you, Father God, even if we feel lost and forgotten from others. Thank you for community, Father God. We pray for each one of the people who are volunteering here. We pray for Josh this Sunday, Father God. We pray for our worship team. We pray for an intimate experience for each and every person here. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so we're going to move into prayers of the people. Um, and if you are new here or you've never done prayers of the people, it's something that we have incorporated into the liturgy of our services um, as a way to corporately unify the prayers that are not just about us, but are intentionally focused outside the walls of our church. It's reminding us that there is a much larger picture at work, that there are churches and believers, millions that we cannot even begin to fathom, joining in prayer and worship, championing the name of Jesus in their area, that we are indeed not alone. And it's a reminder as we sit next to somebody else that we may or may not know that they, they may be in suffering. And it's a reminder that even if you cannot sing and declare and prophesy to yourself the goodness of God, 
in the body, we get to say, I can't sing it over myself, that feels hard, but I can sing it over you and believe in your struggle. And we get to do that together. And so there's a building of faith. And so for just a moment, I want us to take a literal moment and to think and ask the Lord to quiet kind of your own thoughts for a minute and to to turn outward that our hearts would be burdened for the things that are happening around the world that even if they're hard to look at that we would choose to look at them anyway because it's breaking our father's heart and so may our hearts break also Psalm 126 at the end says, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed of sowing shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. We are declaring that though you are weeping, what you are sowing is shouts of joy. And so we meet them in the weeping, but we meet them in the weeping, declaring and knowing that joy is coming home. That is what is what is promised back to us. And so for just a moment, God, I thank you that you are in our midst, that we don't have to ask you to meet us here, that you are with us. And at the same time, because of your spirit in the mystery of the Trinity, you are present with each and every believer that is meeting and gathering in dusty rooms and hidden in dark places. God, we pray that they would know your nearness. that their spirits would not be troubled by the things of the physical, but that it would be anchored in a hope. A hope that you died and you've risen and you're coming back again and you are faithful and good. I pray for the brokenness in the world and it is heavy and it is burdensome. May we as a people not ignore the burden, but may we properly take the burden and place it at the foot of the cross. Give us wisdom as a local church of how to engage our community and the world and the suffering that feels immense. for our neighbors, those literally sitting next to us, our neighbors in our neighborhoods. God, help us to pay attention to the nudging and the pulling of the spirit. May we love them intentionally and love them well. May we be your hands and your feet. of us in this room who feel very, very familiar with the idea of weeping. We 
just declare and speak over them that their weeping will not be for nothing, but they are literally sowing with their tears shouts of joy. And may this church, may this community be a testimony filled with shouts of joy. Because you are good and faithful. Um, could the Hamels come up? We, so Dakota, um, part of our community and what's happening is that a family, parents are sending their son out into the world. He is physically not just looking outside of the walls of this church, but he is going and he is going to YWAM and he's going into the mission field. And for parents, they are sending their, their child out of the, what feels, that's amazing. <laughs> Tried and true. Um, they, are, they are sending, they are releasing, they are trusting that God is going to break his heart for the things that's breaking his heart. And so we have an opportunity as a community, have an opportunity to love them well, love them specifically, right? The, the burdens of the parents is not the same as Dakota's. And so to love and surround them intentionally, our prayer for Dakota might look, should look a little bit different than our prayer for the Hamels. So it's an, it's an invitation to not just send Dakota with anticipation for what is to come, but it's also to be near to the Hamels as they transition. So we're gonna pray over Dakota. If you would just stretch your hand out. God, I thank you for Dakota. I thank you that you call him son I thank you that he is called, that he is purposed uniquely. I thank you that he is made in your image. We bless him as he goes out for the next six months, very aware that those six months really just fling the door wide open for what you could do. And we have great anticipation for the testimonies that he is going to come back with. I ask God that you would be near to Dakota, that he would know you more intimately than he has ever known him, that he would know that you know his name that you see his heart and you delight in him. Go before him, be next to him and behind him. May he not look to his left or to his right, but may he, his eyes and his gaze be locked on you. We pray a blessing over the Hamels. We we pray that you would give them bravery to ask for things that they may not even know exactly what they're asking for. 
pray that you would be near to them, comfort them, bring them peace. May they be filled with excitement and anticipation for what has yet to come. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, thank you guys for being a part today. I'm not going to preach forever. Um, we are a little bit long in the tooth right now. Uh, it's Family Sunday, and we've had some things involved. So I'm going to do my best to give you a homily. Um, many of you don't know what that is, and I'm, I've never done one of those. I've never been able to, so I'm going to do my best. But uh, who's going out of town this week? Raise your hand if you're going out of town. Okay. Awesome. All right. The others of you, uh, there's a lot of stuff happening at Smyrna. You can continue to do your life here. Amen. All right. So last week, Jordan preached. I thought it was the best message on mission that I've heard in a long time. I thought he did such a good job. If you weren't here, I would listen to it. But the concept behind what he talked about was that in America today, the churches really aren't growing with people who didn't know Jesus coming to know Jesus. Most 14% of the 15% growth, so 14% of the 15% growth or 93% of church growth happens through people transferring from one church to another. You know this because we're the best nation in the world at creating different types of churches, right? With different flavors and especially Atlanta, like we're just known for it. So that's discouraging because we exist 100% to take the message of the gospel so that people would come to the truth and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Like we just, like I'm about to read you. And that comes from people who don't know him yet. And I love when people come from other churches, if they move in the area, but I want to see God do work in people who do not know Jesus, and we are just bad at that. We're bad for a couple reasons. One, we've given the message in an American way that's more about turning a profit or building something than really caring for someone, and people know that. Believer, non-believer, if someone's not caring for you, you know that. So we've either turned mission into a quick uh, formula that can make something happen, or we've decided that we don't live mission, we're just kind to people. Like that's the extent of our mission. The problem I have with that is, yes, we're called to mission. We can't sacrifice growing in the body of Christ for mission, but we can't sacrifice mission for growing in the body of Christ. So it leaves us asking some good questions like Jordan was saying last week. What is it that we do then? How do we take the message of Jesus to our cities? How do we do that? And he gave some great examples. Please listen to the message. But a lot of it has to do with becoming known and knowing people, just the people around you. I stood out in my yard this week after listening to an amazing sermonette, really, from a few guys that I, I, I enjoy, Eugene Peterson, uh, Tom Wright, as labeled in the video, or also known as N.T. Wright. Who's heard of N.T. Wright? Okay. I talked about parish ministry in Scotland and how this man was sent on a, on a mission, and he decided to go be a, a pastor in a city where there was 200 people. And one of the statements in the video that will change me forever was he was preaching his first message and he preached a 20-minute message. And the head deacon came up to him and said, listen, that was a, that was a good sermon. And, and he felt like it was one of his best sermons. And he said, but it was about 10 minutes too long. And the preacher was like, people deserve more on Sunday morning. People deserve more of the word and the guy said, people actually deserve more on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And all that 40 hours you spent preparing your message, how many people did you weep with? How many people did you sit with? How many people did you listen to their story? And that, that wrecked me 
because it's a way of knowing people and knowing how to do church that we're not familiar with. Knowing the people that just live on your block. Knowing who lives next door to you. Knowing who's in your church even. There's people just in a section that maybe know one or two people in your body. And it's, this is probably an easier body to know people than a lot. So today, I'm stepping into a passage which doesn't alleviate the burden of mission and the need for us to take the gospel to Jesus without being idiots and without doing it on Facebook, because it doesn't work. So let's just agree to agree. Facebook is stupid for the mission of the gospel. It does not work. Can we just say that? Can we just jump up and down and scream and run around and stop doing it? It doesn't work. It never worked. It won't work. Back up from Facebook and ask God how to let you enter the world, right? Called to it in the world. So today I'm going to talk about prayer. And if you're like me, when you hear that somebody's going to speak on prayer, you're like, awesome, another message on prayer. Super. Because you've heard so many times about prayer, you probably have your own baggage connected with it. Typically people, and I actually enjoy praying. It's a space for me now that I like to go. I don't feel pressured in it. I feel like I'm connected with my father. But most people I talk to have a lot of blocked paths with prayer. And I feel like I have a decent reason I'm going to present. Then I'm going to tell you about this passage. I think one of the things that prayer does more than anything is similar to me going on a date with Sarah last week. We have not been connecting super well. Sarah's my wife. Um, We have not spent a ton of time together. We have three sports a night because we're idiots. Uh, Our weekends look like tournaments and events and being with people, and so it came around to our date morning, which is Friday morning, and I was, I was dreading it. Sarah's not here anymore, so I can talk about this stuff. <laughs> so um, so we're, she shows up at the house, and we're supposed to have our date, and our date is every Friday. We do our planning meeting for a couple hours on Monday morning, and we do our date afternoon on Friday. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. Uh, not because I don't love Sarah, but if you haven't connected in a long time, that like re-entry connection is so uncomfortable, even with spouses. If you're a spouse, raise your hand if you agree. <laughs> Some of you didn't raise your hand, and you just can't be honest in marriage yet. <laughs> so I just I told her I was like, I, let's just let's do let's walk somewhere. So we just decided to walk around our city, and we ended up over here at this lake. And if you guys have ever been over here, this beautiful lake, and we just sat on a bench and talked. And by the end of our meeting, I realized that the busyness had kept us from connecting, but I actually enjoy connecting with her. And she's really intelligent. And I like we get along and marriage might work for us. It could be good. (laughs) Partially kidding, partially real. That's the reality. Like there were two people. So I think when we enter prayer, this is what I think happens for people. Why they don't want to talk about it is because just the initial step in reminds us instantly of what kind of connection we have with our Father. So, for those of us who feel like, like I said, God is like always in a good mood and like he's just ready to like lavish his love with sloppy wet kisses, we go into, we go into that space and we're like, let's do this. But for those of us who are looking for the unforeseen kiss of God, step into that. Is anybody tracking with me or no? <laughs> Please, that's deep cut stuff right there. Okay. For those of us who are just reminded that we already have this baggage for not wanting to be there because we either think God is upset. So then in that space, what we typically do is like what we do at Publix now. We send in our list and we go pick it up and we go home and we don't have to do work. We have somebody walking to our car with a bag of groceries. Does anybody do this yet? This is a thing. 
This is also what we do in prayer because in prayer, it's just easier to give him our things and back off because the intimacy part is really uncomfortable. So when you start to get intimate with God, that's prayer, by the way. Prayer is a space where you become intimate with the creator of the universe through Jesus Christ. So this is uncomfortable because we dislike intimacy, get uncomfortable with it. And in that prayer space, if we don't do the work of fighting for it and making it become a norm, it will always be a spot that we don't want to be in. And the, the biggest deal with this is that prayer is the beginning steps of all that is good. Prayer is the foundation of anything that ends up being good. Your spouse, your call to singleness, your call to ministry, you as a businessman, you as a father, a mother, these things built outside of prayer and a space created for him to speak in and to love you into will become what you want them to. And you don't always know best. I would actually say you never know what's best. Because one of the things that happens in prayer, and I'm going to have, this is what happens when I have a small space, I end up going, it's like a, just a concentrate. It's like tied concentrate sermon for 20 minutes, but I'm just going to do that. What we end up doing though, is if you create the space, and I'm just going to brag on uh, you right here, young lady in the first row, second row. <laughs> You're like, oh God, it's happening. Enjoy that last time. So you've been coming to prayer um, for our prayer group for how long? Beginning of summer, you're like, please get this over with, Josh. This is the worst thing you've ever done. And she actually said to me, I'm just, on, I'm just being honest with you. Like, I'm not coming because I'm like, just loving prayer. I'm, I'm making a commitment to go into this. Just making a step in. And you're, to me, one of the best examples of what God's been doing in our church. And I just want to brag on you for making the space. And there's no reward in heaven that you're a prayer. But you're starting to see a space that is made through prayer to be with God. So I just want to just golf clap you. It feels weird, like, but we're going to do it. Yeah, cool. So in this text, there is a call to prayer. And by the end of today, I'm asking you to make a step into it. Something. Something is better than nothing. So you can pull up this uh, Nike symbol, which is stupid for me to even... Uh, Nike. Like I, I felt like the... the um, some of you are like, are, you, are we talking about the God of Nike? No, that's not what this is, guys. Please don't go there, right? Like this is just the, the part of today's service for the worship journey is stepping into prayer. And I felt like this week, prayer is less like poetry and more like plumbing. When you need a plumber, it doesn't have to be beautiful, right? You just get the work done. You just go into it. You want to get it stopped. You don't want anything. With poetry, you want it to be beautiful. With prayer and stepping into it, it's literally just do it. Just step into something and start. Even if your space is the worst space you've ever been in, step into prayer. Everybody say that just because I did it. Just I was meaning I was meaning that on the screen, but it's good. I feel like I feel like we're really tracking, guys. We're really killing it. All right, First Timothy. If you'll pull, open your Bibles to First Timothy. This is 2, 1 through 7. I'm going to read it quickly and then exegete it. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. Pause real quick. 
If you know anything about this group of Christians, it's not that they were docile sitting in rooms. It's not that they were meant to be away and not heard. You know that they were heard. We're here because they were heard. It's saying something else I'll get to in a minute. That we may lead peaceful and quiet lives, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man. The man is Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. This group of people, just for you to know, was extremely persecuted. You already know that. So when we talk about, let's pray for our political leaders, like this passage was talking about, there's a level of, I mean, there is a level of danger if you're a Facebook warrior that's gonna come from that. There's a level of that kind of, but it's not the kind where you might lose your life, right? So when these people are being encouraged to pray for the kings and the rulers it's different. There's something at stake. They're actually targeted. They're actually not included into the fabric of the community of the Jewish community or the Gentile community. They're nomads. They don't have a landing place. So when they're told, see, this is, you would think the opposite, right? Like, go, go do something. Like, go get, go get heard. They're being told to start to pray for the institutions that are actually harming them and the specific people over those institutions that are harming them. And what happens is, and this is just a little bit on peaceful and quiet lives, it's not that they go be peaceful and quiet, but it's as they take those things into that prayer space, a peaceful, quiet demeanor begins to permeate things like anger, resentment, bitterness, which gives them leverage in a society where they don't have a footing. So the fact that Christians became known for praying not to, but for their governmental structures, their kings, gave them leverage to see that maybe they're not just here to harm us. Because they're actually preaching a message of a different king. Does that make sense? So there's a way they enter that, that wipes out any ability for them to have a voice into that society. There's a way to pray for those who are over it, which makes those that are over it see that maybe there is something to the way that they're doing this. So here's a couple things, and I'm gonna, these are going to be the big two things for today. The word in this passage used for intercession, and if you're like me, you're from a church where you intercede, where you gather together, where you pray until something happens, where you stay at the altar until somebody does something, if you're like me, you understand it, but the word intercession is taken from a word that means to be granted an audience, to be given the good favor of being granted with the audience with the king. So the word intercession literally means to now be able to go into a spot, a king's place that you were not able to go before through a mediator. Everybody say mediator. So Remember, the word intercession, you're now granted the good favor of being able to have an audience with a king, but you have to have a mediator. And so the mediator is who? Jesus Christ. It actually labels him. So it's as if, imagine Jesus holding my arm, and the king is over here in this area, that area. We're walking over, 
And now, because of this relationship I have with Jesus, I have an audience with the king because of Jesus. And before you decide that you don't, when the king looks at me, because I don't deserve to be in that court, and says, but Josh, I know what you did last week. I'm like, yeah, for sure. That's okay. Then Jesus says, but Father, remember, Josh is only able to be here because of me. And so the king's gaze doesn't even go to me. He's not evaluating me. Who is he evaluating? Jesus. Is Jesus able to be in the courts? Am I allowed to be there on my own? What's my way to the courts? Jesus is my mediator. Jesus is my mediator so that when I even go into that temple court and accuse myself, Jesus can then look at me and say, actually, no, because of what the king has done and because of what I had done, that doesn't carry any weight here either, right? So one step further, I had to build that framework. Jesus takes me into the the, the courts to be with the king. Intercession is like this. It's like me now saying, I'm bringing Kara with me. So I'm going into the temple courts. I'm not going to do this right here. Now I'm going in with Jesus to the temple courts. I'm standing before the king because of Jesus. He's mediating. I'm there. I have space now through that. And now I'm bringing Kara with me. And he's like, well, what are you doing with Kara? Well, I'm actually bringing, I'm presenting Kara to you because in this space, I know that things can actually happen. And I know that because of your scripture, it says that you actually desire that all come to the truth and the knowledge of you. That's through Jesus, the mediator. So now I'm interceding by bringing whoever, whatever, in with me to the temple court. Does that make sense? Not because of anything I did. There's nothing amazing about my ability to pray. There's nothing that even started in me. Jesus is interceding on our behalf. So even the part of the initial step in, we might think it's us, it's not. We are just responding to the prayer that's already been prayed over each of us. So it's the second step. And our step is with Jesus in. And so, okay, this is where it gets a little bit crazy. Stay with me theologically for a minute. Don't run. It's not gonna, my, my friend, Dr. Johns came and preached. She just wrote a book on scripture. She talks about scripture as a portal. That's probably more scandalous than this, um, but it's still beautiful, right? Scripture is a living word. It's a living document that we interact with the spirit of God in community. It's truth that is alive. It's not just a stale book that we read and extract. It's not a flat document. Prayer is not flat. It is not a performance thing. You can't pray the right stuff. So when you enter Second picture, a prayer space, you are entering a conversation that is already happening through the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. You go in listening, and if you bring a request, you go in understanding that there's already been intercession over your request. And so your job now is to be a listener in this process. The pressure is off you being a terrible prayer. Sit in a chair. Palms up, give to God. Palms down, take from God. Whatever you want to do, sit in a chair. Present your requests to God. Present them knowing that it's not you that got you there, and he is already interceding on the behalf of these things. Whether it's your son or drug-addicted friend or spouse that you feel like is leaving, there's already intercession happening. So when he says, go and pray, thanksgiving, supplication, intercession for kings and all people, He's inviting us into what's already been being done. There's no perfect way to do it, right? Nike, just what? Just do it. Like the only, the only time you can get it wrong is when you make prayer about yourself. When you, when you show up to prayer and the only thing you want is what you want, that's maybe the wrong way to do it. Like you come and if, if you don't give me these things, right, then I'm not, then I don't believe you're God. 
And God's like, well, actually, I'm asking you to come sit with me because if we don't have intimacy, this isn't going to work anyway. So sit, be in my presence. Let me, let me love you. Let me remind you. Let me take your anger and form it into peace. Let me do these things that have to be done in the presence. Like me with Sarah on a date, being reminded, oh, there is a really good reason why I married this woman, right? And I don't have to feel intimidated when we've been distant for two weeks. I just have to make the space to be with her. And then it's beautiful. And in prayer for us, right, what God does is so great, always so great. It's never what we think. And if you're one who is like me, who feels like he is just ready to finally lay down the punishment on you, that's not what he does. Even if you have sin in your life, which again, Jordan talked about it last week, is like the iceberg. The sin that surfaces comes from these beliefs that live beneath the surface. Or like in youth ministry, they say your UGBs, your ungodly beliefs. Nobody? Okay. That worked for kids. You guys got some UGBs this week? Get up here. No, it doesn't work. It doesn't work for adults. So for us, he sits with us and he sees the sin, right? Like this is the guy who struggles looking at things on the internet he shouldn't. Always beating himself up for that, not realizing God is working on things underneath that will alleviate that struggle. Things like you feel like there's so much shame in your life, you won't let me near you. You feel like you run from other people. You don't want anybody to ask you about anything. He works on the deeper levels in prayer. So he might let you come in being like, forgive me for all this, forgive me for all this, because that's a good thing, right? Like James 5, 16, we're going to read, confess your sins to one another. We need to be Christians that believe confession is good because Things that we can confess can be healed, right? Like that's a beautiful thing. But that's not his ending spot. In our, our relation with God, he's always trying to show you who you are, what you've, been, what you've been born to do, who you've been called to love, to restore what mission looks like. Mission's not just making everybody Christian. Mission is making the world beautiful again at the speed of God, which doesn't look like our speed, which doesn't come in two years, right? Like tripling a church in two years doesn't mean we're doing Jesus's work but sitting with the poor and the powerless, sitting with the orphan and the widow, inviting them into our home, saying yes to whatever Jesus calls me to do, admitting that without Jesus, mission is ridiculous. To just be kind to the world is not the end. It's not enough. But that God wants everyone to come to a knowledge of the truth of who Jesus Christ is, that's messy. But here's what I think about that. So, if God is calling you to give the truth of Jesus Christ to someone else, and I believe for every Christian, that's a part of our walk. There's a clear way to not do it, and I'll label it as clear as possible. The quick fix, like TBN version of walking up to somebody on the street and saying, have you sinned, and da-da-da-da, that does not work, and it never will. I'll tell you another thing that will never work. Hell's gates and heaven's flames. We talked about this this week. Me and Chris were like mourning the horrifying 10-year-old and 12-year-old experiences we had going to a Halloween thing at a church and it being hell's gates and heaven's flames and all you're seeing is people dying and then realizing for the next 15 years of your life, you should be deconstructing and you want to run from any spiritual experience. These ways don't really work. They do something, but the ways of Jesus, right? This video we watched this past week, talks about what if God's speed is the speed of walking? What if we're all going a thousand miles an hour being like, catch up, God, it's, we're doing this. And he's like, well, okay. You, I mean, you can, it's like, for those of you who've never watched uh, the movie with Will Ferrell when he like goes streaking, and he's, and I know that most of you, Leslie, I know you've never seen that, and I'm glad. And, and I, I've just heard stories. 
I've heard many stories about it. But Will Ferrell goes streaking through a, a college campus and he's like, we're all going streaking. And he turns around, and he's like, where'd everybody go? And nobody was with him is a little bit how we pray sometimes. God is like, go ahead and put your clothes on and come on back. I wasn't going at that speed. You don't need to go at that speed. It's the speed of relationship. It's the speed of what care looks like when somebody's going through something. It's the speed of knowing actually who someone is. Do the super speed dating thing and it doesn't work. And some of you got married in like a day and that's fine and God bless it and Jesus just heal it and make it awesome. But Jesus, I just feel like in prayer is like, the reason you feel so much pressure about this is because you're trying to accomplish things at a speed I didn't ask you to do them at. What if God's speed is the speed of what Jesus looked like when he was here and was walking around? What if God's speed, and I'm just going to send this video to y'all, but what if God's speed is actually knowing just like 15 more people in here's story and who their family is? and their struggle with whatever they struggled with, and their loss of a child, and their loss of a job, and their celebration that their son just made AAA baseball team. I don't know. What if God's speed is so much slower than the speed of life around us? And the reason we run from prayer is because we think that's the speed of prayer when he's saying, please sit, be still, know that I am God. What if you're being invited into prayer and it looks so different than what you've been running from? What if it looks like a space where you're filled up and you feel restored and you feel heard and you weep? There's times now when I pray, I can't, I can't label an emotion for why this is happening, but I just start to cry. And I try and find an emotion because it just feels strange, but I'm like, I'm just going to do this because this is the space I need to be in. I need to weep. Some of you need to weep. Some of you need to sit. For those of you, okay, for those of you who don't want to go into a prayer space and you need help in, can you pull this passage up? This is a scary passage if you don't know the love of Jesus. Therefore, confess your, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power and it's working. Maybe you don't want to go into a prayer space and just the word confession, you're like, I'm, I was trying church again, but now I'm not, I'm done. Because I've already got enough personal baggage and I'm already so upset with myself. But the, the actual word for confession is not only just sin. So what if you need a person that can help you into a space by going with you into the court of the king? What if you need to actually confess? I, I know I do. And I, I'd be willing to with people here one-on-one. -on -one. We, we do as friends. I do. And, and I, I'm not going to not do that. But I also need people who confess the word actually also means to say the same thing as what God is saying. To confess what he is saying would mean to confess that you're a child of God, even if you don't feel like it. To confess that you have forgiveness and you can walk in freedom if you don't feel like it. To confess that you're not actually an addict, even though you are, but he doesn't see that. What if you need one person to walk you in together? That's good. That's an invitation. That's good. Do the work of finding them. Don't wait on it to come to you. Don't be the person who prays for seven years about the person you can pray with. Go find a person to pray with. I'm serious. Like, I'm, I'm done with myself, with us, like, being like, well, nobody really, like, sought me there. And, like, so I went to this other church, and it was like, gosh, they were so good. They all, they all wore, like, jean shirts and jean shorts and jean shoes. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. But I left there, too, because nobody sought me. You have to do 80% of the seeking for this to work. If you want 
to go deeper with God in the space that you're at with community and prayer, you have to do the work. You have to go in. All right, so last thing, and I am going long in the tooth, but one of the great things about the Spirit of God, this is the provocative thing. So when we pray, we enter the Trinity, and, and we think of the Trinity, we think of the Holy Spirit specifically as being right where we're at, or loud in some scenarios, like wanting us to do the Holy Spirit. This is the most important thing I've ever heard about the Holy Spirit. When we pray, the Holy Spirit is not in our timeline. Stay with me. So we live from 1 to 80, hopefully. The Holy Spirit, when we pray, is not restricted to our 80 years, and he is not in the midst of our one moment. The Holy Spirit is outside of time. So the Holy Spirit being drawing you in is not drawing you in from your moment. He's drawing you in from your future, from your past, from what will happen because he's already there. And so if you feel prompted by the Holy Spirit and some of you are like, okay, that's crazy talk. It's not crazy talk. I don't care what denomination you're from. I've heard even Catholic priests talk about, I just knew that I was supposed to do this. The nudging of the Holy Spirit's not coming to you for the, your best moment right now. It's got the whole thing in mind. So the nudging, and this is where it gets so beautiful. The Holy Spirit is drawing us and drawing us into this space so that God can do this work that needs to happen right now because it's got the whole thing in mind, past, future, now. And the Holy Spirit draws us in and says, and instantly we interact with, oh my gosh, but, I'm, but this is who I am. The Holy Spirit reintroduces us to Jesus, always leading us to Jesus. Well, let me reintroduce you to Jesus. You've been away from him for a while. Because of him, you're allowed to be here, always. So that's why faith is important. It's not your faith is awesome looking. It's faith in Jesus because he's the mediator and we're allowed space with the Father because of that. And the Holy Spirit is working always, drawing us into the conversation, healing when we need to be healed, prompting us to forgive when we need forgiveness, saying, here's your way out right now. You're tempted right now deeply to do something you've been doing forever. Here's your way out. Act on it. I'm giving you a way out. Do something. Do something. For those of you who want to leave a spouse right now because they're idiots, the Holy Spirit will speak to you clearly if you open up your heart. For those of you who are done, for those of you who, whoever, create a space, allow the Spirit of God to be the prompter because he's not just in your reality. He's throughout time. That was provocative, right? But that's real. That's what I believe when I ask the Holy Spirit to check me, to know me, to see if there be any wicked way in me. It's not just for me right now. It means generations. It means my kids' kids. It means your kids' kids. It means your future. It means the things you don't want to give them. All of it. But the space is never there if we don't allow ourselves to go in. So if you'll all stand with me. Well, I just don't know how to pray. There's not that many ways how to pray. I do a prayer group on Thursday nights, and literally it's half the time super awkward and half the time super good. And we do a new prayer activity every single week. On this week, we did... Who was there this week? What did we do? Prayer walking? We prayer walked, and that was actually really fun for me. For some of them, it wasn't the best thing they've ever done, and they told me, and I'm glad that they did, right? So here's just a few things that you can practice to create a space for prayer. Breath prayer, centering prayer, contemplative prayer, conversational prayer, fasting, fixed hour prayer. Sarah has done this, and for some of you, you're like, that sounds really, 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 really liturgical. It's really been life breath for her and helped her get to a spot she needs to. Inner healing prayer, Tuesday night. If you need inner healing, we have people praying for that. Intercessory prayer, labyrinth prayer, listening prayer, liturgical prayer, prayer of lament, 
prayer partners, praying scriptures. Amen? Prayer of recollection or the examine, which we've done with our group, which is examining your last two days and trying to find a moment that God was present with you and pressing into it. Prayer walking, welcoming prayer. I don't even know what welcoming prayer is. You're welcome to pray with me. I'm, in, I'm inviting you, right? Like we did, and I'm sorry you're going late. Uh, we did pots six months ago. We formulated these because we knew what was coming. And I just want to celebrate God for a moment because here was our three pots. God's leadership in the next season, stewarding what we have faithfully, finances, leadership, relationships, needs. Because of these prayers, Sarah's now on a six-month sabbatical because for her, being close to Jesus meant us making those decisions. That happened last week. This is her first, this is my, my first week not having my wife with me in ministry. For six months, she'll be in and out, being filled by God because she's at a spot where she was depleted. That happened through these prayers and you being willing to pray. Finances. We met with a group on Thursday night that they were so much smarter than me. I just nodded my head the whole time and acted like I knew what was going on. Captain Krause was here. They're helping us formulate strategic structures for people over money, handling money, presenting to the body what we're doing with everything so that there's no wiggle room or dark hidden areas. Amen. That happened through prayer. Amen. Our, our finance team's like, woo-hoo. Creating space to listen for direction. I've been doing the Thursday night prayer, sometimes with three people, sometimes with 15. I'm committed to it. We've been doing it every week since this started. That's a result of prayer. Each person to step fully into the body of RCC as healthy as possible. And these are the four things we ask. We commit to pray for RCC happening. We commit to be present in the body in the created communal spaces and service groups and to meet personally in relationships outside of those. In the last six months, there's been more of that happening since we started the church. Literally more of that happening than has ever happened. People starting to see, oh, I need to step in and do this. Oh, I've got to connect. I've got to do this. People surfacing to step into leadership. I've had three people in the last month say, God's calling me to start something. Would this actually work here? Instead of being like, y'all don't have this at your church. We're just going to go over here. That's what we prayed for. God is answering prayers. He's stirring creativity. He's definitely doing this stuff. We commit to give financially to RCC. That's a conversation nobody wants to go through in here. God has, God has been faithful with it, right? The group we met with, us challenging you in a loving way back into this. God has been faithful. We commit to serve the body and the surrounding areas. And in this process, this is another beautiful thing. We don't like the way this sounds. After praying it for like a month, we're like, it just sounds like we're having somebody create like this thing if they just do these four things. So we now know when we pray, it's actually not just this. It's investing with one another. It's not just do these four things, but that happened through praying together. The last thing was a renewed sense of vision and mission for RCC. We literally, Friday night, just had our first missional expression in the table. Jordan and Katie and other people served. Who else was there? It was awesome. We had 40 people. We had some weird stuff happen in the space. I mean, it was great. It was normal. It was great. God is doing these things. I'm asking you, step into prayer, not just for us. Get, so you, you've got to get to a space where the space becomes comfortable for you. And that means you gotta fight for it, okay? So everybody just put your hand on your heart. I'm gonna pray. Jesus, this is what uh, prayer, just demystify it. Remove the blockages. For those that are just struggling with being intimate with you because of whatever reason, because they're all real reasons, Work in those things, Jesus. Draw us into your presence. Not so that we can hoard your presence and sit in a room for the next 20 years, but so that we can go and so that all people, everyone would come to the knowledge of the truth of a Jesus that would die 
to bring shalom to every human soul, our enemy, our friend, our family, our family enemy, the people we compare ourselves with, with faith, Facebook personas. You have come, God, so that everyone would have a knowledge of your redemptive, restorative, filling love. You've come to bring shalom to all humanity. And you're asking us as a body to go on mission, but to start with prayer. So you're, you're, this is your one. You keep your eyes closed. If you're walking into that temple court and Jesus has got your arm and he's walking you in and let yourself do it, what are you taking in with you? Who are you taking in with you? Is it the political structures right now? Is it Donald Trump or Barack Obama? Is it your mom or your dad? Take something in and let him restore you in the process. Jesus, I pray a blessing of peace and joy and hope. I pray that there is hope restored in every person in this room and every family they touch. I pray that our kids would see hope not created through a plastic smile and showing up to a place, but created through actually what's happening in our hearts, the way that we're loving them. I pray that our spouses understand who they are in you because we've helped you in that process. I pray that we would forgive those who need forgiveness. I pray in this room, God, that people would step into a space with you. So we're gonna, we're gonna open up. If you guys would come up for prayer, our prayer teams. We're gonna open up our space for prayer. I would encourage you if you need any kind of prayer, please allow us to pray for you. If you have kids here, when you pick up your kids, can you say thank you to the nursery workers? They've stayed long. And if you wanna stay in this room, we ask that you create a space for this to be a holy place where God would speak and heal. You're gonna be free to go now unless you'd like to stay for that. In Jesus' name, we pray that you would go with us, go before us, and we thank you for every good gift. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.